just so the book of John. And so we're going back there now. We sort of, we keep putting bookmarks in and coming back. But I'm going to continue that series today. And because it's been a few weeks since we looked at it, I'll give you a bit of a recap of where we've been and what we're doing. But we're taking a journey through the Gospel of John. And what is the Gospel of John all about? I'm so glad you asked me. That's such a good question to ask. So let's cover off quickly the topics in the Gospel of John. Firstly, it covers off um, existence. So God's existence, uh, Jesus' existence before he was born um, here on earth. And I'm going to put a little pause there because I just realised I haven't let the kids go out. Do we want to take the kids out? Alison's ready to take the kids out. So let's do that. If you're, if you're a kid in primary school, you're welcome to join our kids program right this minute. Ready, set, go. Run. You're too. Yeah, you're old. You stay here. Listen to me. Be excited about the Word of God. Yes? You've got it on your phone. I'm impressed. Well done. You can follow along. Cool. Normally they're out at the start, but anyway, we had to juggle a few things this morning. So they're out. Okay, cool. So existence, Jesus' existence, it starts uh, um, at the start of, of the book of John uh, in the beginning, just like Genesis. So, uh, And then it, we cover off on miracles, so the miracles of Christ, the power of God at work through his son Jesus. Then the, another topic in the gospel is teaching, and it's Jesus' private teaching with his disciples. So it's like we get to lean in on the, you know, the, the inner sanctum of the the disciples and Jesus sharing it with each other, and, and that's going to be exciting as we go through this gospel. And then, of course, um, every gospel covers this, but the death and resurrection of Christ. Um, and this gospel has three parts, essentially. And we're still in part one because we're coming up to... We've got to finish off some chapter three and move into chapter four today. Uh, but it's Jesus' public ministry through chapters one to twelve. And then his private ministry, chapters 13 to 18. And then we move on to the death and resurrection in uh, chapters 19 to 21. So chapter 1 was Jesus the Word. Cast your mind back when we, back when we started. And we discussed things like Jesus being the creator. He was there in the beginning, as I said before. Chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. So God was there in the beginning. And God is three parts, Father, Son, Holy Spirit which means Jesus was there right at the very start. Uh, We covered off John the witness. So John the Baptist was used by God to prepare the way for Messiah, for Jesus to come. And John drew attention to Jesus more than himself, which I think we can take a leaf out uh, out of that book, a page, a leaf. Anyway, leaves from trees, pages in books. You're with me, right? We can take a page out of that book and actually reflect Jesus more in who we are rather than promote ourselves and and make a big deal about who we are. Because it's not about us, it's, it's more about him. And then Jesus, the recruiter, he begins recruiting and assembling his disciples, his followers, to embark on the greatest adventure. Imagine being one of them. Wouldn't that have been amazing? What an adventure to go on with Jesus. And then chapter 2 talks about Jesus being the authority. It begins with water with a kick. Uh, someone asked me today when we gave out the communions, is this alcoholic? No, unfortunately, just a bit of juice. Uh, uh, but uh, but uh, Jesus gave the water a bit of a kick, didn't he, at a wedding when they ran out of wine and he turned water into wine. And that was the first of many of miracles um, of Jesus. And then he goes on a cleaning frenzy. Who needs one of those in their home right now? Uh, my hand's up. Hey, it's all good. And he goes on a cleaning frenzy in the temple. And he deals with all the animal merchants and money changers because they're, they're turning a trade and turning God's house into a marketplace. 
and Jesus isn't too happy about that, so he cleans that all up. And, and that chapter concludes with really seeing the heart of, of Jesus and Jesus seeing the heart of man. Jesus knew the wickedness of man's heart, but despite that, he continues his journey towards uh, redemption and the story that's ahead of him. Uh, and then we covered off on chapter 3. This is the last time that we were together where we uh, actually watched from the chosen uh, where Jesus meets Nicodemus. It was amazing to watch, wasn't it? Uh, just an incredible encounter. It's just something about seeing something rather than, you know, you can read it. And I mean, some of us, we're all different. But some of us read things and our imaginations just go gangbusters and it's awesome. But then some of us watch things and go, whoa, that's what it really, you know, potentially looked like. So, so Jesus meets Nicodemus at night and he tries to explain the born-again experience. Uh, and he talks about it like the wind. Where does the wind come from? We don't know. Where's it going? We can only tell it's there because of the evidence of things rustling around. And it's the same as the Holy Spirit. It's the same when we see the Holy Spirit at work in our life. Don't necessarily know where, where it comes, where it's going, but the evidence is there. Something is different in the changed person when they've given their heart to Jesus. And Jesus then used the old lesson of Moses and the bronze snake. Uh, the Israelites were being bitten by deadly snakes because they were complaining and whinging and whining and whatever. So that happened. Uh, and then they petitioned Moses, you know, go, go to God on our behalf. We need, we need a solution here. And God said, create this bronze serpent. Anyone that looks at it will be healed. You know, in the same way, we've got to look to, believe in and trust in Jesus because he's our only way to salvation. The only way the Israelites could get healed from those snakes was to look at what God had asked Moses to create. And it's the same for us with salvation. The only way to true salvation is by looking to Jesus. And then we went through all the greatest. You know, John chapter 3, obviously, verse 16. It's, it's very well known for God so loved the world. He gave his only son. And we went through the greatest. And I couldn't go back through this without showing this again. I don't know. This just is really cool. You know, God is the greatest lover. So loved, the greatest degree the world, the greatest number that he gave was the greatest act, his only son, the greatest gift, that whosoever, the greatest invitation, believes the greatest simplicity in him, the greatest person, should not perish the greatest escape, but the greatest difference, have the greatest certainty, everlasting life, the greatest destiny. Isn't that awesome? I love that. I love that. All the greatest wrapped up in one verse. It literally is the Bible message in one verse, the whole purpose and reason behind it. Now, we're going to continue through John chapter 3 to the end and a bit of John chapter 4 today. So let's do that as we move into a battle of the baptizers. Sounds like a big, uh, big battle, a big something. Anyway, let's get ready to rumble. No, we're not doing that. All right, so John chapter 3. <laughs> Those of you that are new today, I have a terrible sense of humor. I'm a bit, uh, bit of a larrikin, and uh, I, think you're, I think you're picking up on that. So everyone just say relax. Church, we just relax here. We just enjoy God's presence. All right, verses 22 to 26 I'm going to read of John chapter 3. Uh, it's on the screen if you need it, or you can look it up in your own. And I'm reading from New King James Version. So, after these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now, John also was baptizing in Anon near Salim, 
because there was much water there. Does that make sense? And they came and were baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. And then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, behold, we behold him today, didn't we? Come and behold him. He is baptizing and all are coming to him. So there's no room here for the green-eyed monster. We all know what that is, don't we? Jealousy. We talked about it at youth recently. Jealousy and uh, cancel culture in the world today. A lot of it is caused by the green-eyed monster. People wish they were someone that they weren't and they can't be that person, so let's just be... I'm jealous, so let's bring them down and cancel them, shut them out, be quiet. All right, we'll go on and keep reading. Verses 27 to 30. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase but I must decrease. You see, John wasn't drawn into his disciples' resentment against Jesus. It was kind of like drama. I don't know. I don't watch Home and Away anymore, like many moons, many moons ago. Like, I'll be honest, I watched it when I was younger. Um, it was a bit, I don't know, more wholesome back then, but now it's just, anyway, it's being filmed. I'm sorry if you love Home and Away. But it's drama, isn't it? And that's what's happening here. They're trying to draw John into a bit of drama, you know, Oh, he's getting all these people. What do you say? But see, he knew that everything he had, including his ministry, was from God. He knew that. And there's no room for the green-eyed monster or jealousy or competition in God's work. God chooses people and does things through them. Jesus wants his followers to be humbled. Not, yeah, it's all about me. You know, knowing this, John was happy for Jesus to be popular. He, he knows what his purpose was, and that was to be there to, to prepare the way for Jesus to come. And then he says this, he must increase, but I must decrease. I love that. You know, John recognized that because Jesus had walked onto the stage and it was his moment. You know, just a few months earlier, John was the top dog. You know, he was baptizing everyone. He was, he was the number one, whatever. But now Jesus was the new star, but John chose to be happy about it because he knew his place. As Christians and believers, we need to have a revelation about what our place is. You know, we're family together. We all have a role to play. Not one is greater than the other. Just because I'm up here behind a pulpit speaking doesn't make my gifting greater than what you can do for Jesus. You know that, Trish. You know, I can't make lasagna like Trish. You're going to throw tomatoes at me. Don't do that. I can't, I can't do things that Trish can do. Trish has got a story that I've never had, you know. As does everyone, I'm picking on Trish, but you all have stories that you've walked out and learnt about who Jesus is and he's done great things in your life and that's your story for you to share. See, John the Baptist wasn't jealous of Jesus. Instead, he pointed his listeners to Jesus saying, Jesus is the main attraction. I'm just the warm-up band. (laughs) You know, how can you have the same attitude as John? It's a good question to ask yourself. You know, we're not the main attraction. We're just, we're just leading you to a greater thing, whatever that is. 
Let's read John chapter 3, verses 31 to 33. We're talking about God's seal of approval. So it says this. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard that he testifies and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. See, John the Baptist was talking about him, um, was talking about himself, and instead, though, he focused on Jesus. He didn't focus on what he'd done. He focused on Jesus, who voluntarily voluntarily brought the reality of heaven to earth. That's what Jesus did. He would have been pretty comfortable up there, I reckon, before he came down here. So he's voluntarily come down from heaven to earth. The fact that John said Jesus came from heaven was a claim that Jesus was God, and that was truth. Though the Jewish people understood this declaration, most of them rejected it. But a few people believed what Jesus had to say about God and his experiences in heaven. And those who accepted his testimony that he is the true God certified God's truthfulness. So the choice is really yours to make. And that's how this chapter winds up in John 3, 34 to 36. There it is there. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So the Gospel writer John is concluding this section with a challenge. And that's what I love about the Gospels. It's a challenge, isn't it? It challenges us to consider what do we believe? Where is our faith? Where does our salvation come from? You know, since Jesus spoke, uh, God's wo- he spoke God's words and he came to show us what God is like, we all face an eternal choice to either believe in him or reject him. Take eternal life or God's wrath. You know, the conclusion, conclusion probably sounds kind of familiar. This is the same place that John brought Nicodemus with a choice, with a challenge. And Jesus' life on earth means we've got to have a choice. We've got to make a choice. We've got to choose. Do we want to believe or do we choose not to believe? The choice really is ours. And it's a great challenge, isn't it? Believers and unbelievers. Even unbelievers have a choice. They've just chosen not to believe yet. And that's for a number of reasons. Maybe they haven't heard the story yet. Maybe they don't have the information to consider the choice. That's where we step in. We've got to be sharing our testimony, encouraging people to say yes to Jesus, but they can't say yes to something they don't know about. So let's not be silent, Christians. Let's share the good news, because that's what it is. Amen? Amen? Amen. The other reason they might not have made a choice yet, or maybe they've made a choice, is that they've rejected Jesus. Maybe they've been hurt. Maybe they've... We don't know their story. But we've got to love on people that don't know Jesus yet or that have not chosen to follow him yet, to be the true hands and feet of Jesus. So now we move on to John chapter 4. And this is talking about Jesus, who is the giver of spiritual life. Amen? So think of the worst people you know. Just think of them. Don't tell me who they are, especially if they're in the room. (laughs) You know, the kind of people you can't stand. Think, just think of them for a minute. Maybe it's, I don't know, dirty politicians. Oh, you could probably think of one. Uh, 
Maybe it's religious bigots. There's none of them in this church. Uh, maybe murderers. Definitely none of those in this church, I hope. Uh, or, or groups who persecute or you know, enslave others. Maybe it's people like that. Or maybe it's drug dealers. Maybe it's rapists. I don't know. Think of the worst group of people that you can think of. Because we can all categorize groups as, and you know, you'd never say this, but you know, the scum of the earth. You'd never call someone that, would you? Uh, but that's what they get categorized as these, these terrible, whatever, the, sometimes the people that we're thinking of. Well, the same was true in Jesus' day. You know, back then, Jewish people would have given the award for the worst um, ethnic religious group to the Samaritans. Jews and Samaritans thought like that of each other. You know, in fact, Jews hated Samaritans so much that they traveled miles out of their way to avoid them. So they don't think practically, oh, it's only, you know, half a day's journey to here but there's Samaritans in the middle, so I'm going to travel three days around so that I miss going through that place. That's what they would do. Uh, So once again, Jesus breaks the mould in this chapter to meet someone's need. And it's a Samaritan woman who comes along to a well to draw water. And so we're going to talk about that encounter today. But let's start with John chapter 4, the comparison game. Verses 1 to 3, it says this, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. So it begins with a comparison, doesn't it? John's score, uh, Jesus' score is 103. John's score is 45. Now, it doesn't say that in the Bible. Okay, So, so we don't know the exact score, but I bet you the Pharisees did. The Pharisees were keeping score. They were trying to stir up trouble for Jesus. And so Jesus has left uh, the area now. He's left the town to go north to Galilee. Let's continue reading verses 4 to 6. And uh, Jesus is taking a detour. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar. I'm sure you say it differently in Hebrew. You probably spit or something. Near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. And it was about the sixth hour. Now what I want to do is, this is spoiling the chosen for next week. But you're going to get a little spoiler. Because again, when we read, I can read now the encounter of Jesus and the woman at the well. But I want to watch it. Is that all right? So can we hit the lights, Russ, and just make sure our, our music is, is on, and I'll make sure the people online, good morning to you, by the way, uh, can see this as well. So let's have a look.
Give me a drink. Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come with you. In the heat, as you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd, I'd still like a drink of water if, if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to throw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah, exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit, and the time is coming and is now here that it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done.
you believe what I'm telling you? Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me, I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you. And it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. <laughs> you picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? <laughs> I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon. Just the heart. You promise. I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ. <laughs> You forgot your um. You'll have to come next Sunday to see the rest. Yeah. John chapter 4, verses 25 to 30 says this The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point, his disciples come and they marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. You know, it's, it's no wonder that Jesus' disciples were surprised when they returned with lunch. Uh, he had crossed religious, ethnic, social, moral, and gender boundaries in force 
all at the one time. Jewish rabbis didn't speak to women in public. And, but none of the disciples were brave enough to ask Jesus why he would do such a horrible thing. Would you ask Jesus that? No, you just let him. You're Jesus. But notice that the woman leaves her water jar, her water pot. And she probably did so for a number of reasons. The Bible doesn't say, so we need to do some inferring. First, she wasn't focused on physical water anymore because she'd met someone that could give her living water. She'd found a spiritual thirst quencher. Secondly, she was expecting to return since her water pots were not disposable items back then, so she was going to come back after she's told everyone. And then lastly, maybe she just maybe she left it so that Jesus could get that drink of water while she was gone. Imagine being in Sikar and, and hearing an outcast woman crying in the streets, come and see, come and see Jesus who knows all about me and still wants me anyway. Despite my wrongs, despite the things that I've done, he accepts me. They certainly knew about her immoral lifestyle in the town and, and they didn't want her. Although she was the least likely person in town to be saved, God used her to introduce the many in the town. Nothing happens by accident when it comes to Christ. He knew that people would see something in her, knowing her history, and they would see that she'd been transformed and changed because she had an encounter with the Most High God. She left behind her water jar almost symbolically, like leaving her former life behind and that inner thirst for acceptance and satisfaction had finally been quenched by Messiah. Besides, carrying it would have slowed her down to go and tell everyone about who Jesus was. So she's like, I'm not carrying that weight right now. You know, are there things in your life today that you need to leave with Jesus, that you need to leave at the foot of the cross? Would you just bow your heads? Because I want to pray for people in this place this morning. What is it that you need to leave behind? What is it that you need to let go of? What is it? What weight? Just like the woman left the weight of those water pots and stormed into her new life. What is it that you need to leave behind, to let go of? What's holding you back from sharing the message of Jesus? I want to encourage you today, not discourage you. I want to encourage you. You carry good news. But all of us, there are sometimes things that we need to let go of that are holding us back. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's, maybe it's fear. Uh, maybe a lack of boldness. Oh, I can't talk to people about, about him. Well, God can use you powerfully if you let him. And so in this place this morning, I want to encourage every believer to consider what it is that you need to let go. But before I pray for you, I want to pray for people who haven't made a commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're in this place and you've never surrendered your life to him. It's not complicated. It's simply believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. So if you're in this place today, if you're online watching at home or watching this stream after it's been posted, I want to encourage you to let Jesus become the Lord of your life. So if that's you in this place this morning, I want to include you in a prayer we're not going to drag you out the front or anything, but we do want to pray with you. Would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor Jeremy, that's me. I want to surrender my life 
to Jesus. If you're at home, I don't need to see your hand because it's about God seeing your heart. And so you just lift up your hand in your living room, wherever you are, and accept Jesus today. Can we say this prayer together? Say it after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you came and that you died for me. I now confess with my mouth that you are my Lord. I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. You conquered sin and death, paying the price for my sin. So I thank you for all that you've done. I thank you that I'm a Christian. I'm saved. And I praise you for all you've done in me. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Can we just praise God and thank him for people surrendering their life to Jesus? And now would you stand with me? Just stand in his presence. And if that was you, if that, that I was talking to before, so you've got a weight or there's something that's holding you back from being all that you've called to be, I believe that Jesus breaks every chain, every chain of sin, every weight that we carry, every burden that, that, that hinders us, that can be loosed in this very moment. So if that's you, just open up your hands. Open up your hands. It just shows, a, a, it's a sign of I'm ready to receive today. And I'm going to pray for you that the Holy Spirit would come and minister to you in this moment. So, Father God, I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, for your, your goodness and your love. Lord, you're so kind to us. But, Lord, there are times when things hold us back. All of us in this room have had seasons and times where there's been a weight or a burden or, or just something that's distracted us. So right now in this moment, Father God, with open hands, with open hearts, we ask for your Holy Spirit to come and fill that void in our lives. That burden, let it be broken in the name of Jesus. That chain be broken. That weight be loosed from us, God, that we could continue on the journey that you've led us on. Lord, you've got great plans for each and every one of us, but Lord, these burdens, these weights, they hold us back. But today they are loosed in the name of Jesus. They are loosed in the name of Jesus. No weight can hold us down. No chain can hold us back from all that you've planned for us, Father God. So we honor you and we celebrate you and we thank you, Lord, that you strengthen us, that you give us wisdom, that you lead us and guide us, that you give us the strength, the courage, the boldness that we need to be all that you've called us to be. We ask for your help, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Touch each one today, I pray, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Can we thank God again? He's awesome. God is good. He's on the throne. And we're going to have some fellowship now and, and, and hang out together. So just a reminder, if you're coming to our Clifton service, you'd want to be leaving town at 12.30 come to Clifton. It's at Kate Street. It was up there before. And uh, we'd love you to come and celebrate Jesus at their two o'clock service and mix with their people. If you're in our music team, we need to be on the road by 11.30, which is soon. So I've actually finished a little bit earlier today. Give you a little bit more grace, but we'll need to hit the road at 11.30. So God bless you. Enjoy some coffee together. And we'll see you here at Clifton or here next Sunday.